Hello, everybody. This is Jared Van Vorst. And my name is Nathan McWhorter. And I'm Daniel Fagbui, and welcome to Table Talk Thursdays, where we field all your burning questions, and we'd love to hear from you. And we'll be doing this every single week. So please send in your questions to my email, which is daniel.fagbui at livechurchcanton.org. Look forward to hearing from you. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the Live Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam. I'm the host for this show, and I'm so thankful that you're listening. This show is episode number four of Table Talk Thursday. It's a series that we're doing that we started during this time of COVID-19 where we can't be together. Um, we wanted to, to hit you up with some content midweek. So um, Pastor Jared, Pastor Daniel, and Pastor Nathan all get together and they talk about things that are going on. Uh, if you have questions that you want them to talk about, you can submit those to Daniel in his email, which is linked in the show notes of this show. Wanted to let you know that we're um, not able to meet in person, obviously, for Easter, but we're still going to have our online experience this Sunday, April 12th at 9.30 on Facebook. So I encourage you to, to tune in for that. We've been doing a lot of work this week to, to make that um, experience online together something that's, uh, I think, really meaningful and impactful. So make sure you tune in for that. Make sure you tell your friends. But without further ado, here's the guys with Table Talk Thursday. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Uh, I am so sorry for the technical difficulties. Uh, the good news is we have a clear winner for which food I should ingest after we are done talking today. And grilled cheese has won. Grilled cheese has won. It's probably because it's pouring outside and everyone wants tomato soup and grilled cheese. But I will be eating that. I'll post that later. Uh, I might even post me cooking it. And there is enough people who have suggested that I make uh, grilled cheese with peanut butter and jelly as well that I may attempt that, but that doesn't mean I'm going to eat it. Um, it is definitely a rainy day and a nice sandwich. Sounds good right about now. Amen to that. Amen. Well, good, good, good. Well, welcome everybody to Table Talk Thursdays. Uh, as Pastor Nathan said, we had some technical difficulties, but they used to stay back in the old school. The devil is a liar, though. <laughs> I am joking. <laughs> but we are we are happy to to ha- to be here with you. Um, again, all questions are welcomed. Uh, questions about the most recent sermon, questions about theology in general, and questions about life. And so we want you to turn those in by Tuesday evening. Um, so we can sort of uh, curate those and uh, look into scriptures, depending on what the questions is, and make sure that we are answering what God's word says. Any live questions, which is mute today, but any live questions uh, will be answered as time permits. And so as a reminder, look out for Touchpoint Tuesdays. Did I say that right, Pastor Nathan, Touchpoint Tuesdays? Yes, you did. Awesome. Great weekly updates from Pastor Nathan on uh, the state of our union. Um, any words on that you want to share? Oh, man, I'm just excited. It's Easter week, and you're going to hear in, in some of the prepared answers to the questions we have before. It's just on my mind, um, just the fact that this week is leading up to Easter. And what I want you to know and what you would hear from that video is to be prepared. We, uh, My uh, huddle group, it's a group of guys who get together um, every Thursday morning. We're talking about what we were going to do to be missional. And we decided to share with people, to invite people specifically that we know don't have an act 
collective uh, faith um, that they doesn't apparently, whether it's on Facebook or old friends from high school, that we would invite five different people um, to Easter service on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. And, and I want to throw that challenge out to every single one of you. You could put it in the comments because we're going we're gonna to go through the comments later, even though we're recording it ahead and try to answer any of those questions that you want to do that with me. You can also change your Facebook profile that lists uh, when we have time in our little website on there. So you can go to the Facebook profile on our, and change it so that our times of worship are there. And then, uh, Lord willing, when we figure out this technical difficulty, when, not if, when we figure out this technical difficulty, we'll be having uh, communion tomorrow uh, with you, Pastor Daniel. And I would encourage everyone um, to be a part of that. I You just need juice and some bread and I, I'm looking forward to it. My family is like really excited um, to be able to to continue to worship together this way. Yeah, amen to that. I'm looking for that forward to that myself. And um, we had a, a wonderful plan, which prayerfully we could still push forward. But um, we're gonna do it. We're gonna enjoy what the Lord has done for us. Celebrate His His rising because He is risen. But this Friday is gonna be Good Friday, and it's a good Friday for a good reason because our sins were paid, all of our debts were paid, and He He is truly the epitome of love. So we love that. We're looking forward to that. As a reminder, just continue to pray. Pray for our nation. Pray for our world. We are in unique times. Uh, pray for those who are quarantined, uh, looking forward to the results of their tests. We pray that those are positive, well, negative, but they're positive news. Um, but mm-hmm. we also want to pray for those who have lost employment uh, because of this season we're in and pray for the at-risk population, uh, which are those people who are on the front lines the healthcare professionals, and all the essential employees. Pray for those people who are making life happen for us, uh, who are caring for us, who are caring for the sick. Pray for the elderly. Pray for those with pre-existing conditions. And a reminder, Life Church and all people of God, just continue to love and care for each other. It, it's very, very good uh, to do that, period. But even in this time, it's very good to do it. It blesses people's souls and not just people who love Christ and know Christ, but perhaps even this is a great opportunity to be evangelistic, to reach out to those who don't know the love of Christ so they can see Christ's love through us. So uh, great reminders, folks. Just keep loving on each other and uh, let that love of God continue to shine in us. Well, let's check in, brothers. How are you brothers doing in this season of quarantine? Well, I can go. I'm Jared, everybody's for those that are tuning in. Hi, Jared, first everybody. Time. Hi. Um, I'm doing okay. <laughs> this, Nathan, you mentioned it's raining. You're on another part of the town. Um, I'm on one side where uh, it rained 10 minutes before you said it was raining. And yeah. now the sun yeah. is shining like bright like Daniel it was myself. yesterday. Yeah. This We're is on the east side. Yeah. I've experienced it. the east side. I've experienced <laughs> all four seasons. <laughs> Uh, all four seasons in the last 10 minutes, uh, yes, looking sir. out my window. So this yes, is, a, this is bizarre weather. I've heard people talk about the weather in Michigan. Um, I'm doing well. Family's doing well. We're, we're healthy. Um, and as Daniel mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of people have lost employment. I, every day am grateful that, um, I still have employment with Life Church. that, uh, it's such an honor to, to even call this a job, um, feels more like a lifestyle to be able to minister to people. And, um, and so I feel very grateful for that. And, uh, we're, we're doing okay. We're technically at spring break, but we haven't fully told our kids that. So we're still trying to like (laughs) teach them. Um, so don't tell them, uh, that we, 
we're, we're, we're secretly teaching them school, but we're doing good. Good, good. Very good. Pastor Nathan, how are you doing? How's I'm doing life? all right. Uh, it's, it's something. I'm telling you, man. It's something. <laughs> we, we, uh, we, uh, well, I won't take away from one of the questions we have later about things that we've done around the house, but we are continuing to live uh, uh, under this new reality, which we thought would be uh, ending this week, but it looks like it's mm. going to be pushed through all the way. We'll see. We don't know. Today, we'll find out exactly when the dates are, but most likely May 1st, we'll be sheltering in place. And um, we've kind of embraced our new reality and, and loving it and doing the best we can in the midst of it. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think for me, the weight of, of what I talk in the sermon this weekend about the weight of everything kind of hitting me. And, and I encourage you to, to kind of um, to, to pay attention and to, to tune in on Sunday just to talk about how this week was probably one of the hardest weeks for me. Not because anything went wrong, not because any one thing happened, but you know, just because uh, the enormity of everything kind of helped me, um, yeah. well, not helped me, caused me to realize just what a lack um, of control I have on my world. <laughs> and uh, I won't steal too much from that. Um, I'm in a good place right now. And, and God met me immediately in that moment. And I'm so grateful Amen. that we have that faith. Because if I didn't have that faith, I think if I didn't have that relationship with God, I, I think um, I would probably have been there for a long time. Maybe not got mm-hmm. out of it, that anxiety loop. Um, that I got stuck in for a bit, but God is good in my community. I got to talk to my, the guys that I'm in a group with this morning. Uh, life groups are so important and just get to share with them and just where we're at and what God has been speaking to our hearts, these Kairos moments. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I had one of those this week, so I'm doing good. I really am, good. Uh, yeah, but it, good, that doesn't mean I was doing good earlier this week. Yeah. 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 Amen. Well, that's good, man. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm with you brothers. Uh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> we, I've seen all the four seasons today. That's <laughs> super, super true. Uh, but yeah, I think, um, you know, I was having a conversation with our financial planner early today because, you know, he's just checking in because, you know, the, the markets are what they're doing. Um, and obviously, I'm not sharing that to say that's the biggest problem. There are people who are losing their lives and losing their livelihoods. So that's not rating on a scale. But he was asking me, how am I doing? And and I just I feel like I just have this tendency to um, to numb myself to these certain things and not because I'm numbing myself, but I think just because of the things that the Lord has allowed me to go through. Um, and, and I just think that it, 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 I have to be careful to not come across apathetic to my family uh, or to people who I'm calling and loving on um, and to really be able to enter in. And God's been good that I've been able to enter into that. So it hasn't been like this sort of uh, numbness where I can't empathize with folks. Um, but I think that's what I'm just, I, I'm just, Given that over to God because this season is unique, um, and this season is a is helping a lot of people restart a lot of things uh, spiritually, especially. Um, and so there is some good coming out of this bad, uh, where it's it's jarring us in a way that's making us open our eyes and in many ways smell the roses or be more acquainted with the pains that are going on in the world. I remember one of our sisters emailed me earlier today and just talked about the disparity. Uh, in the minority neighborhoods uh, as it pertains to COVID and how blacks and brown people are disproportionately dying in an alarming rate. Um, and it's like, is it new? No, it's not new, but it, this, the, and my response was, and she said it's not new to her too, but my response was, you know, crises have a way of 
shining a light on the decay uh, and the defects of a country. Um, they have a way of just highlighting those things. And I think my hope and my prayer for myself uh, is that when we come out of the season, that we come out with that same intentionality and that same intensity to love and care for each other, realizing that, and, and I don't mean to be morbid, but a crisis could be just around the corner. Uh, another crisis could be just around the corner. So, so yeah, so personally, I'm just trying not to be apathetic, trying to lean in and love folk well and empathize and, and also give that uh, possible apathy to God. So, yeah, so that's how we doing. But the fact boys are rocking and rolling. Kids are none the wiser. <laughs> it's just a beautiful thing. They see this as an extended holiday. I'm sure you guys see that too. We, the parents, are the ones that have to struggle through that. So let's move on to our first question of the day. Now, this question is uh, two weeks old, so we're sorry, Brother John Kelly. Uh, but this is a statement, and there's a question in there. Um, and the statement is, I struggle with convincing non-Christians that Jesus is the way. And he goes further to say, I can't get into arguments at work over religion. And so I would probably assume that when he's speaking about non-Christians, he's sort of speaking about Christians at work or non-Christians at work. Um, and as someone who's worked secularly for over uh, two decades, I, I can definitely relate to that. I think there are a few thoughts that sort of remind me and helped me in that season. Um, one is a, a statement that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Most people say he didn't write this, but he says at all times, preach the gospel. And when necessary, you can use words. Um, now, now, so his intent there is to say that in all of our daily actions, we are preaching the gospel. Um, and there are moments when we get to actually share the gospel, the evangel. Um, and Francis actually did say this next statement. Uh, he says, it is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. I love that. So, so the way we live before people is our preaching. Now, whether or not those statements come from scripture uh, or, or are, are really truly attributed to him um, is, is up for discussion. Uh, but they do have their foundations in Scripture. You see that in Matthew chapter 5, where we are reminded that we are the light of the world uh, and that we should let our light so shine. So to live in such a way that people see the light of God in us and, and give God glory. Or in 1 Peter chapter 3, where we are reminded to live a life that shows Christ to be Lord that he set apart in our hearts and to honor him in such a way that people will see that gravitate to us and ask us, what's the reason for our hope? And we can give an apology, but not in the sense of I'm sorry, but it's the Greek word apologia, which means a reasoned response, a logical response for why I believe what I believe. So my recommendation or my sort of commendation to you, brother, is, yeah, don't seek to proselytize. Don't seek to convert. Just seek, seek to live a life that is whole holy and consecrated and loving to God. Seek to be the Christian that God has called you to be. And what you will find is that God himself will bring people to you, which my final point on that is you see Paul in Colossians where he prays and he asks the Colossian church to pray for an opportunity. Now he's already in jail. And Paul now says, pray for that the very reasons that landed me in jail, the sharing of the gospel, pray for more opportunities to do that. Um, and so I would say more than anything, take your passion, take your desire to share Christ, bottle that up, put that into your prayer life, pray and seek the Lord on that and, and have him create opportunities for you to share the gospel. That would be that. 
So what's the next question? Up is our uh, Pastor Jared. What's, what, what are your thoughts on this next question? Yeah, let me um, just refer to it one more time. I'll read this question that had come up. Uh, why not a series on the work of the Holy Spirit? Uh, Acts 1.8, the power to be disciple makers, and Luke 24.49, where the Holy Spirit uh, gives them power. And um, that is an anonymous question, and I'm I'm all for that. I've been at Life Church now for coming up on a year, and we have not done a series per se on the Holy Spirit, but certainly the Holy Spirit has been acknowledged and um, talked about. I think last year, right before I came, I think Pastor John gave a message on the Holy Spirit as well. So, I, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, doing a doing a whole series on the Holy Spirit. I will say this: this um, the week after Easter, um, I get an opportunity to preach and. And we're going to be talking about what takes place after Christ has risen. And there's this moment where the disciples are still behind the locked doors. And he comes to them and it says, uh, which I think is so interesting in this season, he breathes on them, uh, which is being uh, somewhat discouraged nowadays. Uh, just watch where your breath is, wear a mask, <laughs> those kinds of things. So it's interesting yeah, yeah, that we're yeah, yeah, talking yeah. about Jesus's breath. He breathes on them. And then with that breath is this synonymous receive the Holy Spirit. And we see in the, the Hebrew text that the Holy Spirit is breath, ruach, um, wind. And so absolutely the Holy Spirit gives us power, has power. Um, and I would even say in relation to the last question too, uh, Daniel, the, the one that John asked about uh, needing the Holy Spirit to do the work. Uh, mm. We we mm. are a part of it, but the Holy Spirit does the work in convincing people. We don't have yeah. to put it upon ourselves to argue people into the gospel, Amen. argue them Amen. into the kingdom. And so that's, that's where the power of the Spirit comes in. I think there's certainly uh, just notion to to the Holy Spirit's power in signs and wonders. And it's exciting to talk about those kinds of things. Um, but there's power also in the, um, the willingness and the ability to forgive, to love, um, to encourage people. And so the Holy Spirit does all those things. So there's so much to talk about with the Holy Spirit. So mm -hmm. all that to say, yes, we, we should do um, a series on the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I've already written that down in terms of something for us to talk about um, at a series planning retreat. So for those of you who don't know, uh, the three of us and a couple others get together uh, twice a year and we talk about what do we feel God is putting on our hearts to talk to Life Church about. So that's definitely going to make it in the list. Yeah. Would you say he's the forgotten member of the Trinity? Um, amen. <laughs> maybe. <it> amen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Fran or, or rarely it, talked about at least. Yeah. Friends, is it, was it Francis Chan that wrote that? Uh, the Forgotten God? Oh, nice. yeah, that's, that's, that's a good yeah. topic. Yeah. yeah um, I, would, I wouldn't uh, ask Francis Chan to write a book about the Holy Spirit, though, but he did anyways. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's just what I'd say about that. <laughs> right. But, and, and so I think he was so, writing it to himself. I have forgotten about the Holy Spirit. And, uh, ah, now, right. later, yeah. he's come a long way. He's come a long way. So don't, don't hear me saying it's a bad book. It's a great book. But I was reading it, right. and I'm like, are you just figuring this out, brother? Like, <laughs> like yeah. but hey, I, don't, I didn't write a book. I didn't sell a thousand, you know, hundreds and thousands of copies. So I, I can't really speak to that. Yeah. So the only reason <laughs> I bring that up is, you know, Daniel, you mentioned the forgotten, you know, party of God um, is, is he uses those specific words. Now, whether or not I agree with that is, is one thing I just, it may, yeah, like you said, Nathan, it might, might have been forgotten for him. 
Um, but there are other churches that invoke the the presence mm, of the Holy Spirit mm, mm, in, mm. in context. Yeah. And, and I would yeah. say much of the Eastern world and maybe even uh, less fortunate, lower income, underdeveloped world, yeah. those churches absolutely Heavy. tap into the Holy Spirit because Heavy. it's so much Heavy. more of an experiential need and desire for God yeah. than what yeah. I think we experience. So in America, in Western America, in affluent America, maybe, maybe he's yeah. forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, so much more I can yeah. probably yeah. say about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I think a lot of our questions are actually, as we've prepared for them um, ahead of time individually, just I'm loving to see the overlap. So I know we'll get more into the Holy Spirit a little bit yeah. Um, yeah. as I answer the second question that I have. But my first question, um, was this one supposed to be anonymous or not? Should I just not? No, nah, not anonymous. He, he put it on Facebook, brother. Okay. So we're giving you a shout out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TJ, uh, TJ Sweet, uh, which is a great name for him. He's a sweet man. I love having him around and he's, he's so cool. But um, he asked a question, how do you effectively meditate on the character of God? Do you recommend specific verses slash plans or is it like an internal <laughs> repetition? Um, and I, this is such a good question. Knowing about who God is and his character is essential to our faith and um, being able to watch uh, how vast and wide and deep God is and how you can never explore him fully. Um, in fact, we'll be spending, in my opinion, all of eternity exploring the fullness of who God is and we'll never find the end of it. Um, that's exciting yeah. to me. Um, I, I love it. I, I try to explain that to people like you're going to go to heaven and be able to have access to God in a way maybe that you've never had before, but we're going to be exploring him forever. You're, you're never going to know everything. Um, and that's exciting to me because I love learning and I love exploring because it shows me how amazing God is. So I think uh, specifically I'd say scripture memory verses are key. Uh, if you want to know about the character of God, memorizing specific uh, scriptures to help you remind yourself of, of who he is, is great. There's wonderful version um, studies on scripture that you can go through about God is love or God is sovereign or powerful or all those things. I encourage you in that, but I, I kind of want to take it just a hair to a different direction. And I think this actually applies to John's question as well. Um, I have found that scripture memory verses um, are most effective in my life. When I find something in my life, whether it's a worry, a fear, anxiety, whether it's a sin issue or something I, I struggle with about the character of God, that I find scriptures that help speak the truth about that, and then I memorize them. And every single time that that issue comes up in my life, um, I remember the scripture, and I've been doing this for years, and along the journey, I ran into a guy named Jeff Vanderstelt. Jeff Vanderstelt, and gospelfluency.com. Um, what an incredible mind. Um, he, his whole idea is that uh, we have never fully embraced the gospel. And what I mean is not like, oh, our culture hasn't. I mean, no, as Christians, we are all unbelievers to some extent, meaning the fullness of what the gospel means, the good news in our life isn't fully realized um, completely. And we're on this journey of learning more and more about it. Um, and, and what he means by this is he would say that every sin issue in your life uh, goes back to something that you don't believe 
about the gospel, about the good news, about something that you have yet to fully integrate into your heart, where in your head, you know that God is sovereign, but in your heart, you're afraid about what the future holds. Um, and I, I, he speaks way better for himself, but I'll give you an example from my personal life that kind of ties all this together. And why I think this applies to John Kelly's question is because uh, we, you know, when you learn a language, right? You learn a language, the, the moment you are fluent in it is the ability for you to seamlessly talk about it. And for us, many of us haven't figured out a way to incorporate the news of God into our actual verbal dialogue every day. And that's not proselytizing. That's just talking about who God is. So he would, he would often get mad and say, I see Christians at the time who would say like, oh, you're so patient, you're so kind. And they would say, thank you. And he's like, that's not gospel fluency. You're only patient and kind because God has transformed you. And if you haven't missed an opportunity to, in that moment to point to God as the one who has transformed you and the one, you're taking credit for what God has done inside of you. It's a funny example and maybe not the best one, but go check it out. I'll take one from my own life. There's uh, something I've fought in uh, churches for years. It's called a scarcity mentality. This idea that we don't have enough, that there isn't enough, that there won't be enough. And I started to uh, adopt that into my life where I would always want to either hoard or worry. And um, Philippians 4.19 was a scripture that I came across as I was looking to address the fact that I was forgetting that God is my provider and that I give, live, give my life to God. And Philippians 4.19 says, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And when I start to worry that I won't have enough, I remember that my God will meet all my needs. And he does that uh, according to the riches of, a, of his glory in Christ Jesus. So I'd encourage you, if there's something in your life that you want to learn um, or the character of God that you want to incorporate, um, find a scripture that helps you understand that or combat maybe the misinformation you have inside of your heart, maybe not your head, but in your heart. Um, and then start to use that scripture and it will transform you. It'll transform your heart and your mind and um, draw you closer to who God is. Amen. I mean, it all ends and starts with God, doesn't it? I mean, it, your view of God uh, it affects every single thing. Um, amen to that. So our next question, uh, Julia Odino, my sister in the Lord. She asked a question. This is sort of a piggyback on our question that we dealt with last week was, is fearing um, angels, is that the same as fearing God? That's a good question. And so my answer is yes and no. I'm going to say yes. Yes from the perspective of, well, let, let, let's unpack it this way. What exactly are angels, right? So the Greek word is angelos, right? And the, the Hebrew word is malachi, and, and it means simply messenger. They are God's servants, God's attendants. And so they represent God. In the Nigerian context, we have a saying, you never fear the messenger, you fear the person who sent the messenger. And so the messenger is only as important as the person who sent them. And so yes, in the sense of reverence, if you're speaking of fear as in reverence for them and awe for them, all because they are representatives of God who carry the authority of God. They are ambassadors in a sense. Um, you see this through the Old Testament, where all through the Old Testament is where we see what's called theophanies, right? Appearances of God in natural habitats or natural spaces. There is an awe that comes from that. Ezekiel fell down. Jeremiah fell down. Any of these prophets, when they see an angel uh, fall down. In fact, just as, as a side note, I used to belong to a church way, way back when that the people used to say they saw angels all the time. 
And, and I just never understood that because they, they, they see angels and they still as trifling as can be. <laughs> you, when you encounter an angel of the Lord, something <laughs> changes. Um, but, but yeah, so yes, from the perspective of a sort of proxy reverence, right? You are reverencing God through them. Now, no, I want to be careful on the no part because there is a lot of angel worship. I've, I've been part of congregations where there's been a lot of angel worship. And, and, and so no from a perspective because they are servants of God. God. As a great, great references for you, sister, is Revelations 9. Um, you'll see that in verse 10 or even Revelations uh, 22. And, and I'll read that part to you. So John is writing this epistle or these apocalyptic epistle, and he encounters an angel. And so he writes here, he says, I, John, I'm the one who heard and saw these things. So he saw some wonderful things, some, some, some ineffable, some indescribable, awesome things as he was able to get a glimpse of heaven. And he says, and I saw, and I heard, and I saw, and I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me all these things. So, so John is enamored. He, he has a sense of awesomeness when he sees this divine being. And then look at verse nine. And the angel says, but the angel said to me, do not do that. Don't worship me, the angel says. Why? Because I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren and of the prophets and of those who hid the word of God's book and who worship. And, and then he says, and then he sort of gives them an imperative, worship God. Uh, essentially, so from a perspective of reverence and, and appreciating the fact that, and I use the word appreciate as in gravity of the fact that God has sent them, there is a, a sense of awe, not so much for them, but for the God who made them. Now, to be careful, uh, we are told in Jude to respect dignitaries, and it speaks of just heavenly bodies and being able to respect those things that are created by God. And angels are not something to toy with either, right? Uh, you read here in Jude where, where one angel was able to kill 185,000 people. Uh, that, that's a lot of power, but that's divine power. And so from a perspective of reverence for God, there is a sense of fear and trembling at the presence of God in them, not because they are special on their own, but because God has sent them in there as messengers. And the no part comes from the fact that no, nobody's worthy of worship and a fear and a trembling that leads to worship, but God, because they are servants uh, of God. And so, so hopefully that clears that question up for you. But Revelations 9 is a great verse. Revelation 9, 10, Revelations 20, 22, uh, verse 8 through 9. You can see that. And there's so many other nuances in scripture where you see them as servants. Hebrews chapter 2 also calls them ministers, servants of God. So those are, that's how I would come at that question. So yes, there is a holy reverence that we have for angels because of God, because God sent them. Uh, and then no, we don't worship them or, uh, or, or idolize them as something that is worthy of worship. All right. So we got a few more submitted questions. This is for all three of us. Our sister Jasmine Barber, always the one to care for us, says three questions, really. One, are you doing any home improvement projects? And two, how can we care for you or pray for you during this time? And three, do you have any funny co-worker stories? All right. Anyone can go. Yeah, I'm doing way too many home improvement projects is, is the problem. Um, we I redid all the tile in my floor. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, it, it took way too long. About <laughs> s- 
six or seven times <laughs> too long. And it was a big, you know, 300 square feet because it was two hallways, a kitchen and a bathroom. And it was just an absolute nightmare um, with all the extra people in our house. Uh, then I, I uh, but my wife painted the bathroom, which is great. Uh, but then after it was painted, I, I felt it needed some, some wainscoting, which is, you know, fun to do. So I did that. Um, what is that? It's like, it's like a fancy beadboard. It's like somewhere between What's board a bead and then yeah, it's something you put on your wall to make it look fancy. It's okay, about okay. like a chair. Okay. <laughs> it's like chair level height. I, yeah, yeah. It's it's like chair level height. It's like wood. It's like okay, wood. okay, sweet. Yeah, it's our walls were a hot mess underneath, so we just covered it up because that's what you do. Nice. Um, and then reinstalled it, and and then uh, we're redoing the fence, painting the fence, and uh, we got a barn, a little barn shed to do as well. Um, got lots of things to do, and I still have to do taxes. Um, so those are the home improvement projects we're doing, but it's very slow going as we're, you know, working and my wife's working and we have kids and all that going on. So it, it's an hour to here, an hour there, but I, it keeps us sane because if I was just sitting around, I, I'd be losing my mind um, on the off hours. Yeah. And so how can she be praying for you during the season? Yeah. Um, I just pray for God's continued presence. Um, you know, I, I was in, inspired by Tim Keller. Tim Keller recently went on and did a video for pastors and yeah, yeah, just yeah. explained to good. them. Very good. Yeah. And, and one of the things he started off with, and it kind of progressed, but the first one was uh, times like this uh, call for extraordinary prayer, um, specifically the times in prayer where you're communing with God and uh, as a pastor. So I think if you could pray that my times of prayer would be preserved, uh, that would be the biggest thing you can do. The rest will, the rest will follow. And then I, funny coworker stories. I have a couple coworkers, uh, people who are at my house who are coworkers who keep putting paint on each other's faces, but these aren't, these aren't the children. These are, these are the grown adults who are like fighting paint fights. It's, it's craziness. Uh, but we're having a lot of fun. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Pastor Jerry, any home improvement things, any honey-do lists? Nope. Uh, Just trying to survive. Um, (laughs) Not a lot of home improvement, if at all. Uh, If anything, it's, um, there was the house that we bought, there was a little kid's playground thing in the backyard that's kind of uh, dilapidated a little bit. And so we found some leftover wood in the attic of the garage and so uh, was able to borrow a chop saw from the neighbor. And we uh, found a whole bunch of screws that I had saved from who knows what in my drilling, uh, my drill bag. And so just got all of this buffet of things together and cut some boards and put a fence around the bottom half of this children's playground. So if you consider that home improvement, um, it's playground improvement. It's uh, fort improvement. Uh, So the answer would be yes in that regard, but no other home improvement projects, just trying to uh, be be as present as possible. uh, You guys are making me look bad, man. <laughs> well, mostly you were building playgrounds. Trust me, <laughs> What's man, going on? I didn't do it. I've made my Nobody son do all the work. Look bad. My <laughs> my son is nine, and he did all the work because he's been begging to do this project for ever since we moved in. So, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, there's no such thing as screwing up when you're 
uh, when you're building a fort. So it yeah, just looks yeah, how yeah. it looks, and that's that's yeah, the way absolutely. it goes. So, um, that's a hot take. There are right ways to do forts. There, Jared. well, that's speaking a from take. the military oh, perspective, we might go to yeah, there's a live go. way and a dead way to build a fort, but but we won't put that pressure on the little man. <laughs> that's yeah. what I was going to say. Tell that to the nine year old. Um, I will. I will. I'm sure you will. And then he'll be in therapy for a while. (laughs) Do Uh, better, young man. (laughs) So uh, in terms of prayer, I I appreciate Jasmine. I love Jasmine's heart and um, and her care for our our church. And um, she's like a precious pearl. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, gentle and humble. Um, So if, if, if she's praying for me, um, I would love for her to pray for my humility and gentleness and patience and all of this. I feel very fragmented in all the different hats that you wear as dad, pastor, husband, um, teacher, chef, um, playground builder, playground builder. Yeah. Foreman is probably more specific. Um, so just, just that I would, um, I like the Hebrew word shalom, that I would have that sense of wholeness and peace and, not be fragmented um, as a person and be all that God wants me to be in this season and be a good model for my kids and my family and all those things. So, and then um, I have some funny coworker stories in case anybody's late to the party. Uh, I feel like I need to describe what coworker stories mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The coworkers yeah. in your home that you're calling coworkers in the season, typically that's pets, that's kids, that's in Nathan's case, mother-in-law and other people staying with them. My coworkers, uh, I had a coworker that dressed up as a fox this morning um, and wanted to sit on my lap during a meeting. And, uh, and so that was bizarre. I have all of my coworkers that forget to flush the toilet. So I need to remind them, uh, send a memo to, through the uh, office to make sure that all of the coworkers are, are, are flushing the toilet. And then um, I had to fight with one of my coworkers because she refused to eat all of her chicken and veggie straws. So she's on performance review right now. Oh, Whoa. whole other level. Well, yeah, I see. No, I, I see. Whole, you don't eat your veggie level. straws, but no. you build a fort wrong. No, but no you build performance a fort wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah, a different yeah. coworker. Mm. Some coworkers are a little bit more ambitious, <laughs> and they're you know they're trying to get through the corporate ladder. Do you love all your coworkers equally? Hmm. Uh, no comment. <laughs> God does. So, yes, God yes, does. yes. Yeah. And that's what matters. That's what matters. Yeah. That's what matters. Uh, how, uh, okay, am I doing any home improvements? Um, yeah, I'm trying to refinance the house. I'm trying to get started on a new tax person and uh, making sure the house continues to run from a sort of fiscal perspective. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a little bit of uh, 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 home improvement on that end. I am looking forward to, to tweaking some things around the house um, as the time avails. I don't have the, I don't, it's not a green thumb, but whatever thumb, brown thumb, I don't know. I, well, actually, I do have a brown thumb. Um, God bless you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so no no project right now. It's um, definitely called a green can, thumb. <laughs> the off-white thumb as it were um <laughs> stop <laughs> amen uh, how can i care for you or pray for you uh during the season uh specifically jasmine i think it's been a blessing for you to reach out um at moments and just say hi and see if we're doing okay that's been a blessing to my soul 
Um, I yeah, I I just would go ahead and piggyback of it because the greatest thing the Hebrews ever wanted was shalom. That's such a part of their dictionary that they actually opened up that way, right? Shalom aleichem, aleichem shalom, right? They 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 start and finish with shalom because they are people who have experienced crazy tragedy, um, and they know all too well the need for God's shalom. Uh, and even as an African-American male, uh, when I look at the struggles of African-Americans and what they've gone through, it was that desire to rest in the Lord, that shalom. Um, as one um, as one comedian said it, he said, if anybody ever has any problems and struggles in life, hum your way through it. That's what we did. And, and we hummed the spirituals and, and waited for the Lord to move. Um, and even when he tarried, we continue to pray for his shalom. Shalom is not the absence of chaos, but it means that even in the midst of it, you can be kept in perfect peace. As the word says, you will keep him in peace whose mind is fixed on you. So yeah, pray for shalom for the church, for everybody. That means that through the vicissitudes of life, through the ebbs and flows of life, we are staying steady in the Lord. And that's, that's the best thing we can ask for. So yeah, shalom for me. Co-worker stories, man. This one isn't so much funny as it is. It's funny now because I can laugh at it, but my son literally woke up in the middle of the night last night crying and screaming. You mean and your co-worker? Like, right? Yeah, my co-worker. co-worker. Yes, my co-worker. I just want to my, clarify. My non-tax exempt co-worker. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, and, he, and he literally was like, mommy, mommy, I need to talk to you about COVID-19. I lied to you not. I was like, okay. And it's it's funny because his intelligence, he's probably only heard that word once or twice in our old house, uh, but his intelligence to be able to put that together and even go further and say, yes, the coronavirus. And and I'm like, you're three years old. Bless God for you. So so I'm getting, I think the funny part or the the joyful part is I'm getting to see how much of a sponge he is, how much he's growing usually. Um, and I'm, I'm being more intentional, especially this week, um, to, to see him um, in the moments that I have the opportunity to. So it's been fun to watch him think through things and even the hard things, uh, but come up with thoughts and ideas. In fact, earlier yesterday, I woke up a little bit on the uh, down side of things um and we see him bowing down and my wife asked what are you doing he's like i'm just praying for daddy i'm like whoa well if your son's praying for you if your co-worker is praying for you then you are doing well so yeah so those are those are my funny stories cool well thanks for that question sister we appreciate you for for pastorally caring for the pastors um thank you for that and the next question we have pastor jared that's for me yeah uh somebody asked uh multiple questions within one, but what are we doing as a church to celebrate new life in people who have already been baptized? For those of you who aren't familiar with Life Church, we, we do something called New Life Weekend. We're hoping to do one in May, and that's where we baptize people because they're celebrating new life. Uh, so what are we doing to celebrate new life in people who have already been baptized? She said, uh, or he, he or she, I don't, I don't know, said, um, we're doing a great job of celebrating and encouraging people who haven't yet been baptized to take that step. And it's really powerful and exciting, but we know that even seasoned veterans experience new life, just not necessarily in as visible or a yeah. tangible uh, way. So what can we do or what are we doing to celebrate and recognize that? That's a great question. I love, yeah. I love the heart of that. Again, that's wanting to see the whole process unfold, not just at your baptism and not just celebrating those sing- singular moments, but this ongoing process. Um, my guess is that what's informing this person um, 
is if uh, one verse that comes to mind is Paul, who says to the Philippian church, I'm convinced uh, the God who began a good work within you will continue it until the day that Christ returns. And so yeah. there's this idea and understanding and assumption that God is continually working within us and through us and for us. And so um, I like the heart of being able to not just acknowledge it, but celebrate it as well. And you see that in the, the, the Old Testament where people set up monuments to celebrate where God did a specific thing. And so I, I love the heart behind this question. I would say what, in terms of what we are doing, um, so yes, we have a mechanism to celebrate new life in New Life Weekend, in baptisms. I would say we're just now um, beginning to scratch the surface, maybe even more than scratch the surface with uh, our, our life journey. And I would say that that, in a way, is a mechanism for celebrating people's continual process to become more and more the people that God has created them to be. So, so we're big about next steps at Life Church. And so if somebody gets baptized, we're going to be encouraging them, if they haven't already signed up, uh, to sign up for Life Journey to continue this process uh, to, to expand or at least encounter uh, and have a greater encounter with Jesus and continue to grow and understand what that means to have encountered Jesus and to continue to do so, uh, but then to advance and then to multiply. Uh, these are all uh, facets of the life journey that help us get further along in the process and continue to grow. And, and I would say that they are very much celebrations of what God is doing um, in our lives. So, um, yeah, maybe it doesn't look the same way as what you would experience on a new life weekend where somebody's coming out of the water and everybody's cheering, clapping, there's music that the, the celebrations along the way in life journey, maybe are a little less, um, filled with pageantry. Uh, but man, I'm open to talking about how, how can we do that even more? Uh, I, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that as well. Yeah, there's been a huge history uh, at Life Church sharing life stories, recorded mm -hmm. moments of transformation. Uh, we celebrate even on Easter in my message. I I celebrate some of the people and what they're doing. Uh, I think there's that continual part. Dedication, child dedication, yeah. is another time where it's, we're actually celebrating physical new life, but it's right. also spiritual new life. This new transition into uh, parents who are dedicating their children um, to raise them in the church with the, the community around them. Uh, we continue to do that to celebrate how God's moving. And then corporately, what we're able to do, I think of partners, those who are, we celebrate partnership uh, because it's these people who are continued to be dedicated to positioning the church and themselves to experience a new life um, and moving forward and volunteering our volunteer appreciation we do every year to celebrate people who dedicate themselves to serving the church and serving the community. And that's a, that's a lot of fun. We do a lot of fun with that. There are, are ways that we celebrate new life. Um, we're driven by it. I'm just so grateful this question was asked because it shows um, that our lives continue to have to change. So I, I do think we have uh, so much more opportunity yeah. to celebrate and, and yeah. story. Story is the major way that that happens. So looking forward to seeing that continue to grow. Yeah, I think I, I, I mean, obviously, you, you brothers have been doing Life Church, uh, well, Life Church, of course, but New Life as well, a way longer than I've had the experience. And uh, for me, a 
at the time, at least an outside looking, uh, an outsider looking in uh, to the first time I experienced that, I was like, man, this is awesome. It has a way. And here's what I want to say. I think don't underestimate, not that our sister did, but don't underestimate the power of celebrating new life and what that does to, if you will, older life or older, newer life, if you will. Um, it does something in my soul when I see another person snatched out of the clutches of hell and brought into Christ. Uh, it does something for me when I see someone's identity reshaped in Christ. It rekindles for me a moment when God touched my life and the moments that mm-hmm. I've intersected with God in a very real and visible way. So there's a joy of how that, and perhaps there's something that we can do to allow quote unquote seasoned veterans to be more part of that, um, to be more of a part of that. And I don't know, I mean, I'm speaking out loud here, brothers, you guys are more on the administrative of these things, but yeah, maybe it's a great opportunity to share a testimony of a life that's, that's been, you know, maybe that that's something mm-hmm. we could do, but yeah, the, the power of celebrating new life, what it does to the person who's been in Christ for some time is, is, is excellent and excellent and cannot be underestimated um, at all. So, yeah, thank you for that question. It's a beautiful question. Um, layers on that question. And so the next question we have, Pastor Nathan, is on to you. Yeah, this is a, a involved one, so I'm going to try to do it justice. But the question was, uh, is this one anonymous or is this one open? This one is open. This one is open. Open. Very much so. Uh, so In Richard, fact, Richard, the person told me, why would I even want to be anonymous? <laughs> <laughs> That's very typical. Uh, this is Richard Christ. And Richard Christ asked three questions. They're all on the same one. And I'm going to work through it, uh, you know, prepared a little bit ahead of time for this one. Um, should Christians be reading Jesus Calling? It's a book, Jesus Calling. Um, how should we understand someone who says, God spoke to me. These are all connected. And is there a balanced way to understand how God speaks to people outside of the Bible? Um, so there's a lot going on here. And if for those who are not aware of Jesus Calling, um, I want to talk through um, that. It's a devotional book that has been gaining some steam. Uh, it's been around for a couple of years and moving forward. Um, so I, I want to say some general thoughts about devotionals. I want to talk about what Jesus Calling is about. And then I want to talk uh, about my recommendation and answer these questions. Um, first of all, I, I think that we should be reading the Bible first. Um, in general, I've seen Christians look to devotionals or books about God instead of diving into the scripture for themselves. And while the scriptures can be daunting at times, it's, it's so important. And, and we've kind of subcontracted out our own work in the word mm. of God. Uh, mm. I tell you, it's hard but so is a lot of other things and it's worth the time. And, and truly the more time you put into learning about it, the greater the response will be. And so in general, if we're not reading the Bible first, you're going to run into issues uh, with devotional books. Um, I think I have this book. Someone gave it to me. I don't think I've opened it. Um, I just want to be honest about that. Uh, so I, I, I researched and reflected on it because it's still important. And the premise of Jesus Calling is that the author spent years journaling her own prayers and thoughts to God and realized that she did a lot of one-way conversations. So she started to listen to God and then wrote down what she heard from God. And I'll just read a quote um, from her, her book. I decided to listen to God with pen in hand, writing down whatever I believe he was saying. It felt awkward the first time I tried this, but I received a message. 
It was short, biblical, and appropriate. It addressed topics that were current to my life, trust, fear, and closeness to God. I responded by writing it in my prayer journal. And that's what this book is about, what she has heard from God personally uh, that she has held up against scripture. Um, in so much that these are musings help to inspire others to dive into the word of God and scripture, I believe it is a fine thing, um, that what she's doing, but um, there are some issues with it. And I'll talk briefly about what those issues that people have with it and my general thoughts, which is a bigger conversation and move forward. Um, it's good that it inspires people to dive into the word of God, but I, it can't be rescue breathing. And what I mean by that is, is she's going through a journey in the word of God in a community and with God in time to take that second hand <laughs> for yourself as being firsthand. That's what I mean by rescue breathing to, to what a rescue breather does is they'll dive into the water and they'll breathe into the air, their air spent air into somebody else. It's secondary air. Now we've been given something and, and then and an ability to read the word for ourselves. So I, I see devotionals as, as very secondary, um, very secondary. I'm not downplaying them but very secondary to our own relationship with God. So and you'll make more sense as I go on. The problem that people are having with this book is that um, their, their concern is about the sufficiency of scripture. Is scripture enough on its own? Um, and they're concerned that this author is making new scripture. And uh, that's not what the author believes that she is doing, but the fear is there. And so they make arguments about it. You can go online, read them for yourself. Um, but I think the next question reveals more of what Richard's concern is. How should we understand someone who says, God spoke to me? I think that's really what's going on here. And, and then he follows up with, is there a balanced way to understand how God speaks to us uh, outside of the Bible? Now, go with me. I'm going to try to make this succinct and quick. But I think it's important for you to understand where I come from. Um, I'd take us back to the garden. Um, first. Yeah. And I think it's great that we're celebrating Easter this week because it's all connected. Um, but what happened is that we sinned. We used to walk and talk with God. Adam and Eve walked and talked in the garden with God. And then this moment, this, it, the identity, it was lost. Sin enters into the world and double whammy, right? Easter means that sin is now paid for by Jesus Christ. But it also means that our relationship with God is restored and is being restored. Our connection with God that we used to talk to walking in the garden with God, that we're experiencing more and more of that as we are sanctified and transformed every single day. And although our minds have been shaped by evil in the world we live in, they're being rewritten with truth and by the restoration of our relationship with God. So all this to say that sin didn't just make way for all of the hurt and pain in the world. It ripped us from a, a unity with God, a communion with him, where we were completed in our relationship with him. And now, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the power of his word, we're invited back into that relationship with God now. And it will be even better when you know all things are made new. So I would say I would expect Christians to commune with God. The Bible, though, is so crucial in the midst of this. The Bible is the truth that shapes our minds and guides our step. It determines what is of God and what is of sin, nature, or what is of the enemy. The Bible, it guides us. It was drawn together by the work of the Holy Spirit, and it is truth, and we stand on it. That's why I say reading it and understanding it is first and primary. And if we're not doing that, I would say 
don't be reading some of these more controversial books because you don't have that foundation to work through it with the Holy Spirit. And what somebody else's journey may lead you into a weird path because you haven't gone on the same journey that they have. And I think community is massive in this as well. We should be sharing what God has been giving us, what sense we're, what we're sensing God is saying, what are those kairos moments that we're experiencing with God, and we should be bringing it to our community, and we should be talking about it. And then through the collectively, through our understanding of Scripture and our own, the, the Holy Spirit inside of us, that we can correct when things have gone off base. So a book is, is not a community. A book written by someone, it's not a community, it's not a conversation. Um, it's, it's a one-way communication. And I think these kinds of things are best done. So the question is, again, how do we have a balanced way of understanding how God speaks to us outside the Bible? I, I've tried to, to give you a general understanding of that, but the Holy Spirit does speak today. Uh, but he speaks to us and he speaks through community. And it is absolutely 100% subject to the word of God. And the word of God has to come first. Uh, look, Romans 5, I've been reading this verse a lot lately um, in my Touchpoint Tuesday. I think it helps encapsulate a little bit of what I'm trying to talk about. It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through who we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. What? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God lives inside of us and he desires to communicate his love and his character, parts of who he is. And we have to take that seriously. Uh, balance comes in community as we sharpen each other and point out the truth within each other. And we point out the things that are colored by sin, colored by a world that's, that's broken, colored by our own problems and issues, colored by the, uh, the enemy. Um, it's a learning process. That's why it says it needs to be done in community. And th this is a hard and huge conversation. I tried to boil it down um, to just very specifically um, what you know i think richard's talking about um and i think there's you know worth having many conversations which i'd be will willing to do but what i boil down into this you have been given relationship with god because of jesus christ's sacrifice he's made that relationship right he's given you the holy spirit which lives inside of you and through the word of god and the holy spirit you communicate with god and with people and together uh, we learn and grow in in our relationship with God and how he uses us to move in his kingdom in the world and love people. Amen. Amen. Pastor Jared, any thoughts on that? This is uh, going to be our last question. Uh, and, uh, and then we'll uh, close out, but any thoughts? Um, yeah. I mean, I have a ton of thoughts and um, I'm trying to try to be as succinct as possible. I think I love everything Nathan said. I think, um, I think one of the things to think about too, it, where the thing that I center in on and hone in on, um, is the presence of community and the access to the Holy spirit. Um, I, my master's work was on the Bible specifically as a piece of literature and how specifically people who don't believe in Jesus perceive the Bible. And so my, my, 
thought process is uh, tends to bring those people in and their questions and their skepticism. And so one of the things that I think is, is fascinating and important to remember too, is that for the first 1500 years of the church, they just don't have access to the scriptures um, or they're not literate. Um, and the scriptures in some ways by the church had been co-opted. Um, and so, so the scriptures are absolutely important coupled with that presence of the Holy spirit and community, um, which are so powerful because otherwise how, how does the, how do the people of God continue through that first 1500 years? Not everybody had their own personal Bible and their own personal quiet time. And so, um, those are just some, some interesting things that go through my mind as I think about this as well. And, um, yeah, that's that. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, um, I mean, I I love um, where you went with that, Pastor Nathan. I think um, there's there's a lot of um, overlap in our thoughts, um, and I also think we're also unique in in the sense that we all have different sensitivities um, to certain things. Um, and um, I, I think I, it, it, for me, I have had the, if you call it a privilege to be in a place and part of a church for 10, 15 years um, that, um, you know, as we talked earlier, uh, and you're right to say there's overlap, even in our, in our first conversation about the Holy Spirit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, forgotten, it depends on your context. You're absolutely right, Pastor Jared. I mean, it's very European-centric to, <laughs> to speak of things um, from our perspective without realizing that there's another world out there of Christians who, who exist. I've also, so there's a, there's a sort of an American church, maybe forgottenness. And that also depends on what church you're talking about. Right. Cause if you go to Kojic, our brothers in Kojic, they've been doing that for years. They, they talk nothing but the Holy spirit. Church of um, God in Christ, right? In Kojic? Christ. Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look, your black heart is getting, it's not, it's wrong, <laughs> you, you got, you got your black heart, but, um, but there is a sense of, um, there's also the sense of the abuse um, of the Holy spirit um, by many people, many mm-hmm. denominations, many persons. Um, Jesus called us specifically, there's at least 13 things in my head, um, and not just in my head alone, but even in just a, the sort of research I've done in sometimes uh, that are problematic. I think the biggest problem is, you, you rightly said it, the insufficiency of scripture um, is one of the main problems. The other one is the sort of the... Um, the stance that she takes on essentially speaking for God. Um, I think it's very, it, it, it's a little bit frightening in certain areas. Um, and I think it bleeds into that second question of how do you understand everybody speaking from God? Everybody that claims to have the Holy Spirit doesn't have the Holy Spirit. That's just facts. Um, in the same sense, it doesn't mean that um, as a Christian, though, this is our belief based on, again, scripture, that um, you are born again and there's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And we can have conversations. There's certain people who believe in second blessings and second helpings and, and all that other stuff. <laughs> or there's a distinction between indwelling and infilling. There's, there's much to do here, folks. So, and, you know, just mm-hmm. for the shortage of time, I do believe at the end of the day, uh, based on scripture, that scripture gets the final say. 
And, and so there is a uh, um, when we come about worship, we talk about regulative and normative worship. Uh, and regulative basically says that scripture regulates worship. And so whatever's not in scripture um, doesn't doesn't hold weight. Normative says uh, whatever does not contradict scripture um, is is acceptable. Um, I, I tend to lean to the normative. And, and so when I think of it from that perspective, the sufficiency of scripture must be held. Otherwise, uh, folks just have opinions and it's subjective and we're human and we're fallen. And even Pastor Nathan, you said this earlier, and I'll be closing on this note, is that the gospel and, and, and is not this, um, this thing that we fully capture once we come to Christ. It's this thing that continues to unfold. Or, or as I said it a few months ago, I said you, the gospel is not a one-time event. It's this ongoing realization of the fullness of it, um, the unpacking of it uh, from God. And so I think there's room to learn and grow in this area. And I will end, because I know I'm all over the place on this one, because there's just a lot of thoughts on it. Uh, but yeah. I will end with God's word, because since we're saying God's word is sufficient, and we believe that, mm. let's read Second Timothy 3. And I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. I, I like that sometimes. Uh, if you ever struggle with reading the Bible, uh, there's many versions out there. Um, you know, take, mm -hmm. take a gander, see what's out there that, that, that can relate. Um, so it says here in verse 16, all scripture is God breathed. In other words, it's given by divine inspiration by God. And it is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration of obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably, with personal integrity and moral courage. And in verse 17, so that the people of God may be complete and proficient and outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. I think that's important to keep that in mind as you uh, read it. And I think the final point, which goes back to Pastor Nathan's word is, and I'm paraphrasing you, brother. Um, the I think our people, and I say our people as in Big C Church, I think we are, we, we, and I love, that's why I love Life Journey, plug to uh, Life Journey because they're doing good work, is we are helping people have a spiritual olfactory sense, a, a sense where when they're reading something, because they're seeing the word of God, they're in the word of God, they understand the real, so they're able to detect the counterfeit. And they're smelling it and say, ah, something doesn't smell right. And I think the more we do that, the less conversations we'll have to have about Jesus calling, Jesus walking, Jesus storming, Jesus running around, <laughs> whatever it is. But the less conversation we have to have about that because we're equipping our people, not just with fish, but teaching them also how to fish. So, well, this has been our, well, any final words, brothers? I want to make sure we close out well. Any final words? Final no, I, I just encourage, encourage you guys. Um, and all of this to to take advantage of the vast resources that we have to understand the word of God never before. I mean, even as a pastor of seminary graduate, being able to watch the resources that now are just free online um, to help you dive into the truth. Uh, it's so good. And we would be absolutely um, not, I want to say harsh, a harsh way of saying it, uh, but I'll say it in a soft way. We would be missing out on the absolute wonderful, wonderful gift that we have. We're 1,500 years, you didn't even own a Bible. Now, 
now we have every Bible you can imagine with commentaries at our fingertips. And um, I just encourage you guys get into the word of God and, and love it and allow it to drive you to your relationship that you have with God and that you Amen. can, you know, learn to commune and worship him uh, and love him um, through that. And join us as a community doing that on Good Friday and Easter. And finally, please, five people, five people you know aren't active in their faith or never have been. Invite them to church and say, hey, this is gonna be something you've never experienced before and you can do it from your home. Facebook Live, 9.30 this Sunday, Easter. He is risen. Well, soon he will be. He, ha- he is risen. <laughs> He'll be he risen, risen again. He risen and he will rise. <laughs> rise, rise, rise again. You sweet. Pastor Jared, any final parting words? <laughs> oh, you're muted. I'm sorry, I don't have to give him interpretation. Nope, that's all right. Uh, or lip reading for that matter. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just excited to be with everybody on Good Friday at 7 and yeah. then again at, on, uh, on Easter at 9.30. So looking forward to it. Amen. And so we have a few more questions. Uh, we've got a couple more anonymous questions. We've got a more questions from our, our brother, Neil, our sister, Julie, and quite a few other questions that we will put on tap. And Chris Cooley, we've, we see you. We see you all. We will get to those, God willing, next week. Um, and again, continue to send in your questions by Tuesday evening. If you don't get it to me by Tuesday evening, it's okay. Still send it in. We will keep it on tap for the week after. And just want to thank you guys for joining us. We know we had some technical difficulties but we are excited that we still are able to get it done um, and i'm super excited at this opportunity to continue to love on our folks and again um, just continue to pray for us and pray for the body and love each other uh, this has been table talk thursdays we love you god bless goodbye